Grab your Bibles with me today. The, the children over in Impact Kids right now are, are reading about the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho. And here's what's so cool about what they're doing today. They, are, they actually got a, a cake over there with graham crackers for walls. They're going to see those things come down today. Can I just say that whatever the enemy set up against you, it's just like graham crackers to God. And he can bring it down if you will let him. If you would just be obedient, God can bring those things down that were set up against you to try to keep you out of your promise. There's nothing impossible for our God. What becomes impossible sometimes is your attitude. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm already stepping on toes, and I just got out here. Hello. Why? Because I believe that God wants to move you from where you've been settling to the place of his promise. You, sure, God's with you in the wilderness, but he's got better for you in the promised land. So I, I couldn't help but just extrapolate from what the, what the kids are, are doing today and just say, I, I just need to preach from Joshua today, Lord. This whole, this whole idea of, of for his presence that we've been preaching on the last two months, I, if there's anything that is fought in our lives, the enemy fights to keep us from the presence of God. This is why the last two years people have not ever come back to church or they come very sporadically. That's why I get it. It's summertime and, and I, want, I want to enjoy the warm weather. Well, it's still going to be warm weather all July. Just come to church for a couple hours. I promise I won't keep you all day. A chunk of it, but not all of it. But the enemy is always trying to keep us out of God's presence. You ever, you ever realize your bed never feels so good then on Sunday mornings? Come on, somebody. I just, I, I never feel the need for rest more than I do when it's the Lord's day. I just want to, just want to cuddle up at Bedside Baptist and just enjoy church from my cell phone, right? God is calling us to his presence, and that's what the enemy is always trying to keep us from. But I got this, this, uh, this understanding today from, from Joshua. God has a promise for us today. He has a promise for us today. Joshua chapter 1 says this in the very first verse. When the death, or after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. I think King James says Moses' minister. Isn't that awesome to know? Hey, as a, as a, as a minister, it doesn't mean I get the spotlight. It means I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm here to assist. God said this to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. I love this. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Someone go shout about this next verse. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Sorry, I just know King James. Sorry, I don't know what, I might have something else up there today, but I know King James. I will not fail you or abandon you. Someone say that promise is mine. 
but God was making it to Joshua. But Jesus ultimately fulfills all of these promises. And the Bible tells us that every promise of God is yes and amen through Christ. So it's mine as well. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Yes, that was a promise to Joshua. But it's mine as well because of Jesus. Verse 7. So be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Our King James says, only then will you have good success. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Woo! Empowered by that, Joshua does not miss a beat. He then commands the officers of Israel... Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. Get their food ready. Get themselves ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land your God is giving to you. Can you say amen today? Or you can be seated in the presence of God. But please, family, please do not allow yourself to get quiet today. Okay. Respond to the word of God. Open your mouth and say so. Do we need to practice? <laughs> I've got no problem practicing. If you're in a quiet church, then they expect you to be quiet, but you're not in a quiet church today. I expect you to open your mouth and say so. If you agree with the word of God, you agree with his promises, you believe this Bible right here, then you just open your mouth and say amen. Amen. To the truth of God's word. Amen means so be it. So literally I'm grabbing that word and saying it's mine. So be it in my life. So be it for my family. So be it for the future God has for me. Amen and amen. There, there is such a thing as we see here in the scripture there. It says there again in verse 8. Telling us to study this book of the law. To meditate on it day and night. Because ultimately when I, when I meditate on it and I begin to obey it. God promises that we will prosper and we will have good Success. There is such a thing as, as good success, and, and on the flip side of that, there's a thing called bad success. Come on, you know what bad success is. It's those people you stepped on to get that promotion, right? I didn't say stepped over. I said you stepped on, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're the one underneath someone else's foot on the way up the ladder. You, you, you saw the bad success in their life. The bad success is, is, is when you bow down and, and, and worship Satan in order to gain the, the wealth and fame of this world. Bad success. Ba bad success is, is ultimately what Jesus had to propose as a question one time to us when he said, what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? Bad success. But who here is believing God for some good success? Come on, do you still have a little bit of faith? I know we don't want to use that word in church all often, but it's in the Bible. I believe in God for good success. And if that is your prayer today, then the key is found in verse 5. Give him that verse again, birthday girl. Happy birthday, Tiana May. Verse 5. Verse 5. 
no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live for as I was with Moses. Here's the key to your good success, family. As I was with Moses, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I feel like I feel the, the lyrics of that musical stalker sting in my head right now. I'll be watching you. Yeah. That's not what God promises. He doesn't say, I'll be watching you. Thank you, Lord, you're not a stalker. He promises, I will be with you. So what we see about God from the, from the beginning of this text is he was with Moses. Now Moses is dead. But before Moses dies, anytime God was going to do something great for the nation of Israel, he did it through Moses. Right? The Pharaoh and the ten plagues. God does these great things through Moses. The Ten Commandments that came down from God, that came down to the people through Moses. When we, when we look at Scripture, ultimately we see that there we are, they're, they're facing the Red Sea in front of them and, and the, the Egyptian army behind them, and, and God leads them through. Moses is at the head. So anytime God does something great for the nation, he does it through his servant Moses. The Bible tells us that God spoke to other prophets. Other prophets could hear God's voice, but it was Moses that talked to God face to face. Anytime he was going to do something good, Moses was right there. Maybe you didn't know this, but, but they had this, this wonderful thing called manna every day. And manna showed up as long as Moses was alive. As long as they had the, the need for, for daily bread, God made sure it was right there just outside of their tents. Now, I love this about God because if you know anything about God, God didn't drop the manna in their mouth. God dropped it within their reach. Come on, somebody about to hear me right now. You listening. You're waiting for God to drop it in your mouth like you're a little birdie. God is going to drop it just within your reach. Come on, look at somebody and just tell them, God's got it for you. And it's within your reach. This is how the blessings of God come. They never come just here. Let me just, let me just drop it in your mouth so you don't have to do anything. No, let me put it within your reach so you've got to go out and grab it for yourself. But now, now here they are. The, the nation has been so blessed. They've seen so many miracles in this daily provision of manna from God. Now they're getting ready to enter the promised land, and here's what happens. Moses goes up onto the mountain, and he never comes back. It's there that he dies. It's there that God hides his body so the enemy can't find him. And then now the whole nation is in grieving and in mourning and weeping. The Bible tells us, I believe, for 40 days, they, at least a month, it was at least 30 days, they, they, they're weeping and, 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 and crying over their loss because ultimately they're asking themselves, who are we without Moses? Anyone else ever felt like the closer you get to your promise, the more you seem to lose? You know what I'm talking about? It's so interesting to me that in these moments when we run out of Moses, that we actually run in to God. I ran out of what I thought I needed, and now I'm left in a position where I have to rely on, on you alone, Lord. Can I just say this right now from the forefront before I just dig into this too much. This word is not for anybody in this place who just wants to sit around and have a pity party. This word today is not for anybody who's just going to keep blaming everyone else for a while you're still stuck in the wilderness. 
This word is not for anybody who's never going to possess anything at all. This word today is for people who are going to move ahead. I'm scared, but I'm going to move ahead. I'm, I'm hurting, but I'm going to move ahead. I'm, I'm broken, but I'm going to move ahead. I'm uncertain, but I'm going to move ahead. And the reason I'm moving ahead is because there is someone who is with me, and he's got me, and he will never leave me. He will never fail me. He will never abandon me. That's why I can move ahead. So I got six things, six principles, if you will, that I'm, I'm going to attempt to extract from this text today. Six, six principles. So the first one is this. It's going to be real simple. It's not going to be complicated. Okay? Just a little alliteration going on here. Okay? I'm going to use the letter P for all this. The first principle I extract from this is the people. The people. This principle, you want to talk about good success? Okay? The people. This is how you go about learning to get good success. The people. What, what is a, Tiana, give me verse 2 again. Verse 2 real quick. Verse 2 reads, God says to, to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. Lead these people. So God is now, I don't know what that thing's doing over there. Praise the Lord. All right, at least you got your Bible in front of you, right? I'm not worried about it. Whatever happens, happens. Thank you, Jesus. The people, God tells Joshua, go among the people and tell them, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to expect. Why am I talking about the people? Because it, maybe you don't know this about God, but for God, it's all about people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God, it's all about the people. In fact, it's so much about the people that when Moses dies, the Bible never tells us that God cries over the death of Moses at all. God doesn't grieve over the death of Moses. The Bible tells us that as soon as Moses dies, God just turns to Joshua and keeps on talking to Joshua. As I was with Moses, I am with you. Joshua, I know you're nervous right now, but this is not about you. This is about the people. So be strong and courageous. Can I tell you, I always giggle when young people tell me that they feel called to be a pastor. I always giggle when young people tell me they feel called to be a leader in church. And it's not that we don't need more pastors. It's not that we don't need more church leaders. It's that you don't know yet being a pastor is not about you. You just don't know it yet. What you see is you see the lights and you see the stage and you see the influence and you see the power and you, you see the authority and you're like, ooh, I, I want that, I want that, I want that. But you, what you don't see is the sacrifice that it takes to be a leader. I wish it was all about glitz and glamour, baby. I really do. I'd be living the best life. Instead, what I've had to realize this, and one day maybe you'll realize this as well. The whole reason God has called you and blessed you is not about you. It's for others. Peter repeats this in 1 Peter 4. He says, each of you should use whatever gift he has received from God to serve one another. Oh, man. Listen to me. God is going to bless you. But he's going to bless you like he blessed Abraham. He's going to bless you to be a blessing to others. Someone say the people. The people. This is how you learn to be successful. It's not about you. It's about the people. Is this okay? Is this okay? Okay. When I see you in two months again, right? Because you made it about you. Hello. 
The second principle I want to extract from this is it's called the promise. You might have thought I was going to say this for last, but I got something for you at the end. The promise. Tiana, give him verse 3 if we can. Thank God it's working again. Y'all, is that Sarah back there? Thank you, Sarah. Hallelujah. Whoever's back there, forgive me. I can't see who's back there. Sorry. Verse 3. I, pr- I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you, you will be on land that I've given to you. I'm, it's mine. I'm giving it to you. That's the promise I'm giving to you. See, the promise of God is not this. Look, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you... The promise of God is not that you won't face opposition. That's not his promise. The, the promise of God is not that you won't have struggles. The promise of God is not you won't have problems. The promise of God is right after that. I will be with you. That's the promise of God. God's promise is actually bigger than your problems. God's promise is actually bigger than people around you. God's promise is actually bigger than even the property of the promised land. God's promise is his presence. Can I help somebody today? Stop coveting the people. Stop coveting the property. And start coveting the presence of the almighty God. Because if you get the presence, you can get the people. If you get the presence, you can get the property. If you get the presence, listen to me, what good is the property? without his presence anyway how many of you in a fight right now pastor i'm in the middle of a battle i'm in the middle of a struggle well you've got a promise from god i will be with you i need you to shake somebody next to you and say he's got you just let him know god has got you in the hospital god has got you when you're losing your mind god has got you in the middle of the pain and loss and grief god has got you in your marriage god has got you in your divorce god has got you in your strength god has got you in your weakness God has got you I came to tell somebody today it doesn't matter what Satan has stolen from me I remind you everything Satan has stolen there's one thing he can never take God has got me he is with me you can't take that devil he's got me sorry I don't mean to get all excited hallelujah you can sit down the promise the promise this is the one thing Satan can never take away can't take away the promise of God. And that promise is his presence. Hallelujah. Anyone else like me, you lost some things in life. Anything else experience what I have that the enemy has stolen some things? Sometimes right out from underneath you. But can you say amen? The one thing Satan can never steal is this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you say thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Third principle I want to show you here for good success is the priority. The priority. I actually learned this one from, from Pastor Beth, though, Miss Vitti. The priority. The Bible says this. God says, tell the people, verse 8, let them know, right? Study this book of the law. Meditate on it. My word, meditate on it day and night. What does God mean when he says this? When, he, when he's, he's talking about the priority, he says, listen to me, I want to be regarded and treated as more important than anything else in your day and your night. Meditate on my word day and night. No, let me say it like this. Nobody wants to be loved for what they've got. Right? You want to be loved for who you are. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, no rich man is, is running around looking for some broke woman. 
the broke woman might be praying for a rich man, but, but, but no rich man is praying. God, send me some, some broke woman with, with debt up to her eyeballs so I can swoop in and bail her out, Lord. Hallelujah. No rich man is praying that. No. He wants to be loved not for what he's got. He wants to be loved for who he is. Now, ladies, I'm not telling you, don't uh, pray for a rich man. Amen. Come on. Pray for it. Uh, I don't want no broke man. Hello. Come on, somebody. Some lazy man. Come on, somebody. So, man, I got to do all the work while he stays home and plays video games. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good right now. I really am. Why? Ultimately, my point was, nobody wants to be loved for what they have. They want to be loved for who they are. God is telling us the same thing. I want you to love me for who I am. Day and night, night and day, not just for what I've got. I really believe God wants to bless us, family. I do. I believe that. God wants to bless you. But that's why he's always checking your priorities. Because he wants to bless you, but he's trying to check your priorities first. So he says, I want you to get into my word. And I want you to obey my word. That way, I can bless you before you even get to your promised land. Get in my word and obey it before you receive my promise. It's the priority that brings about good success in my life. I guess the, really with the, the principle that I'm trying to get at is the principle of priority. And this is what I've seen in Pastor Bethel and Miss Vitti. Basically what God is saying, you need a daily devotion with me. You need daily time with me. You, you need to separate yourself unto me on a daily basis. Why? Because a, a devotional stabilizes you in an unstable world. This, this is what it, does. it keeps me centered. And let me just ask this. When was the last time you spent got time with God just by yourself? I'm not talking about on Sunday during church. When was the last time you just had time with God? Just, just you just spending time in his presence, just worshiping him and adoring him for who he is. Not because you need a blessing, not because you need a breakthrough, not because you need healing, but God, you're just worthy of my worship. And I know it's not Sunday and there's no worship team and there's no one preaching at me right here in my house on my way to work. I just want to stop and take a moment and say, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. The principle of priority. Because whatever you value, you make time for. I said what you value, you make time for. People like Michael who spend 16 hours a day in the gym, what they value, they make time for. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, it shows with certain people how, how much time you've been spending. I look at Paul, and I'm like, this brother has been working out. I can, I can tell. He, he, he makes time for what he values. Others of us, you can tell we don't value working out. Come on, somebody. Can I just get it? Just give me an amen. Just give me a truth. I don't value it. And you can see, I'm in shape. Rounds of shape. We, we make time for what we value. If we value God and his presence, it isn't just Sunday morning that shows him how much I value him. It's the priority that I place upon my time daily. Do you value God enough to prioritize him daily 
daily. I believe in order for us to fully possess what God has for us, we have to prioritize God. Let me put it in a New Testament language. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you've been running after, acting like a pagan, worrying about and striving for. All these things will be added to you. How am I going to get the possession? By prioritizing his kingdom first. His righteousness first. The priority. Next principle I want to give you. Am I doing okay? I got 20 minutes before I got to get you out of here, right? 19 now. I got, I got three more. Prioritize. We see the promise. We recognize the people. These, these things bring about the good success. Next thing I want to give you is this. It's the purpose. The purpose. It's found right there in verse 5. So it's, it, it's right there. As I was with Moses. Now Moses is dead. But God's purpose isn't. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. As I was with Moses, what I did through Moses, what God is telling Joshua is what you saw me do through Moses, you're going to see me do through you. Did not Jesus promise us ultimately that the reason he had to go back to the Father was to send us the comforter so that we could do greater things than he's ever done? As I was with Moses, I will do through you. It literally means I will do the same thing through you that I did through Moses. Why? Because for God, it's not about the personality. It's about the purpose. It's about his purpose. I know religious people are not going to like what I say next, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm just forewarning you. Go ahead and zone me out. Look at your cell phone. Do something to distract yourself, religious people. But to everyone else, I want to remind you, God will use anybody to accomplish his purpose oh you don't you don't believe me if God has to God will use a prostitute named Rahab to fulfill his purpose you don't believe me God will use a liar named Abraham to fulfill you don't believe me God will use a teenager if he has to named David to take out a giant God will use that same David who became an adulterer and a murderer to fulfill his purpose he's looking for somebody he can use and he will use anybody and if you won't do what God has called you to do he'll find a donkey and a rooster and a whale to fulfill his purpose. He'll use anything to accomplish his will. Look at, just look at somebody and ask, you want to be blessed? Then get in God's purpose. Come on, shake him and let him know. You got to get in God's purpose. You want to be blessed? Get in his purpose. Because his purpose is already blessed. Get in his purpose. Let me, let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. Do you know that the, the safest place in the whole wide world is in the purpose of God? It's literally the safest place in the entire world. Why do I say that? Because God will protect you in order to protect his purpose. There's no place safer than in his purpose. Okay, I'll say it again. God will protect you in order to protect his purpose. I started preaching at 17. I'm living proof of this. I've done some stupid things since 17. But guess what? The reason I'm still preaching at 41 is because God has protected me in order to protect his purpose. Satan has tried to take me out. People have left me, hurt me, wronged me. I've wanted to give up. But the reason I'm still standing here is because God has protected me in order to protect his purpose. There's no place safer. 
than in the purpose of God. God doesn't protect me because I'm good. He protects me because I've been obedient. Oh, man. I've been obedient to his purpose. And if God can count on you to do his purpose, you can count on God to say your battles are now my battles. Your struggles are now my struggles. Your enemies are, are now my enemies. What you face, I face it with you. Can God count on you to fulfill his purpose so you can count on him to be right there with you? I say it like Paul said, and we know that in all things, God works all things together for good. To those who love God, check this out, who are called according to his purpose. Can you say amen? I realize God's going to protect me because he's protecting his purpose. That sounds pretty selfish. No, it sounds pretty genius to me. What investor doesn't want to protect his investment? If God has invested in you and you're willing to fulfill his purpose, God's going to protect you. And he will work all things together for your good because you love him and you've been called according to his purpose. I'm belaboring a point that I hope you will leave with. There's no place safer than in his purpose. Sixth, a fifth thing I want to give you here today. Fifth principle is this. It's called the provision. Now, I know, you, I know most of you might think where I'm going to go with this. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Mm. Oh, he'll make a way when there is no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, watch, watch God. The, the, you're getting ready to sacrifice your son Isaac, but here comes the ram in the bush. Hallelujah. God provides. I'm not, I'm, amen. But that's not my point. Listen, what happens? For 40 years, God has been providing for the nation of Israel in the wilderness. They're not even really a nation. They're just a wandering nomadic people called the people of Israel, the Hebrews. And, and, and now here they are, 40 years of God providing, literally 40 years of God preparing the bread, God providing the bread, God, God if you will, handing out the bread on a daily basis. So here's what we have. Pastor Beth, we have a generation who doesn't know how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Are we talking about 2022? Yeah. Hello, somebody. An entire generation that just doesn't understand how to prepare things for themselves, if you will. And now the time has come. Because there's no microwaves, family. Come on. Take it. There's no, there's no drive through restaurants. Dang it. They're getting ready to go into hostile territory. They're getting ready to, to, to fight enemies. They're getting ready to bring down some, some, some walls of Jericho. And here's what happens. God says to them really for the first time, I'm through giving you freebies. Prepare yourself. Prepare your provisions. Prepare your provisions. Anyone have King James? Anyone have a King James Bible? Anybody, have a King James? Anybody still read King James? King James, sir? Right there in, 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 uh, in verse 11, Joshua commands the people to prepare their, what do you say, vituals, right? Yep. Prepare your vituals. Man, thank God we don't use that word anymore. The heck is a vitual? Prepare your food. Prepare your food. 
What, why, God? You've been preparing everything for me for 40 years. What do I need to prepare? You brought the quail. You've, you brought the manna. What, what, what do you mean prepare my food? Something is shifting here. Something is, is changing here. Something is, is different all of a sudden. You're getting ready to go into your promised land, and I'm no longer going to be doing all the providing for you. Now you've got to get your hands on it as well. Prepare your victual. Prepare your provisions. I want to tell somebody here today, work out your own salvation. I feel like God is telling somebody today, hey, Rhoda, you answer the door. I feel like I'm going back to a message I preached previously. You need to do something about this. You've been praying and fasting and believing answer the door it's already there he's not talking about Jehovah Jireh is he no you have to prepare your own provisions why because you're closer to your promise than you've ever been before you have to prepare your provisions and i love how it says this he says prepare your provisions because in three days ruellen thank you for singing what you did a little bit ago in three days woo! in three days you've got to prepare because in three days something is about to be drastically different in three days there's going to be a shift like things have never been shifted before. In three days, you're about to cross over into a whole new dimension. You're about to find a whole new covenant, a whole new testament. In three days, there's something about God. In three days. <laughs> I don't mean to be silly, but my God, if you know your Bible at all. Jesus said in John chapter 2, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. God raises up Jesus on the third day. Why? Because Jesus is the, prov Jesus is the provision. He said it of himself. You don't need manna. I am the bread of life. In three days. God raises them up to show us Jesus is the provision. Somebody hear me in your spirit today. It's no longer time to chill. It's no longer time to sit back and let somebody else fulfill your purpose in life. It is time. Three days. We've got to prepare. I feel the spirit of John the Baptist on me today. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Provision. I, I understand that this kind of sermon is not for people who just want to keep the status quo. I understand this kind of, this kind of sermon is not for people who just want to sit back and relax and, and chill. And let me just rest in God's presence. You can rest all you want to once you get in your promised land, baby. It's all yours anyway. God has already provided it. But you have to go and take a hold of it. This sermon is for people today who, who are just on the cusp of falling into something greater. Uh, I'm on the edge of transformation. I'm getting ready to, to be elevated. Like Devin preached one time before, there's a, a transfiguration, if you will, that's going on. I'm about to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. 
This message is for the kind of people who just say, I'm tired of being stuck where I've been stuck. And God made sure that you would be here today or watching me today. You're not just here by happenstance. You're not here to hear an awesome worship team. You're not here to gawk at me while I sweat and spit. You came here today because God has a divine purpose on your life, and something is about to shift into a new dimension. If this is for you, then I just want you to in faith say, I'm moving forward. I'm moving upward. I'm heading on into something greater. I'm not going to stay stuck any longer. I'm not going to be in the wilderness any longer. God has something greater. Shifting in to something greater. Something about God in three days. I love how Hosea said it in Hosea 6.2. He said, after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up. Someone say a shift is going on. What is the shift? So we can live in his presence. When you read this book of Joshua, you really need to catch this, okay? Because some of you have been actually, you've told me you've been reading Joshua. Here's the beauty of Joshua. The promised land is great, but it just camouflaged for something greater. Yeah, the, the promised land, literally, that, this is all it is. It's, it's, the, it's the, the veil, if you will. It's the facade. It's, it's the Praise God for it, but that's not the greater promise. The greater promise was found before they even went into the promised land itself. And yes, the land is amazing. Yes, the land is beautiful. Yes, this is the land we've been waiting for and praying for. But the promise was never about the property. The promise, the real promise was I will be with you. My presence will go with you. Somebody needs to get this distinction in your spirit once and for all. It's not about getting God's gifts. It's about getting God's glory. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go. I'm not trying to hoop and holler at you. There's a, a prayer that Moses prayed. That if you will get this in your spirit and make this part of your prayer life, unless your presence goes with me, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go. Some of you, you're so busy just trying to get what's yours. You're missing out on the real gift. I will be with you. Oh, man. I'm watching a generation of people that are just going after temporal things. They're pursuing godless relationships. They're pursuing money and fame. They're, they're, they're pursuing things that won't last. They have no longevity to them whatsoever. And they're going after them with their whole heart, their whole strength. They're praying to God for these things, but they're missing out on the greater gift. It's not about the people and the property when it comes to his greater promise. The greater gift is as I was with Moses. So will I be. When you take two months on a, on, a, on a theme, you can see where people get wore out with it. Can we talk about something else besides the presence of God? Why? Do you need something else besides the presence of God? <laughs> Last thing and I'm done. key to success is found in his presence. His presence. It's in his presence that we learn to care about the people. It's in his presence that we receive the promises. 
It's prioritizing his presence that he's called us all to seek first. It's in his, it's in his presence, if you will, where ultimately the, the, this principle of, of really understanding there's a purpose for my life, a purpose. I'm not here just to take up space. I'm not here just to be a leech on the system. There's a purpose for my life. It's in his presence that we begin to understand, yes, he is Jehovah Jireh. He provides, but he's also calling me to make preparation for what's to come. If God ever decides to send the masses to this church, we're not prepared yet. Some of you sit around every week, and the only word you get is when I drop it in your mouth on Sunday. I literally, you know what I'm doing spiritually? It's kind of gross, but I'm, I'm regurgitating spiritually what I've received, so that you can have it. And if this is the only time you eat, that's gross. That's gross. God wants you to prioritize his presence and to prepare, to prepare. Because maybe just maybe one day God will send your family to this ministry. Maybe just maybe God will send your neighbors, your coworkers, your crazy boss. Maybe just maybe God will send them this way. And if he does, we have to be prepared. We cannot sit around and let anyone else work out our salvation for us. We cannot sit around and wait till next Sunday, just relaxing and chilling, till the next time God requires some of my time. No. I feel like God is wanting us to transition and shift into something greater. Here's my last principle for you today. It's called the possession. The possession. Maybe you don't realize this, but you are in possession of the greatest gift God has ever given. To as many who have believed in his name, who received him, those who received possession, to them he gave the right to be called the children, the sons of God. John chapter 1. The possession. I'm in possession of the greatest gift the right to be called a son of God. Whew. My God. I know it feels like an oxymoron when you read this text because if God has already given it to me, then why do I have to go and possess it? Huh. Maybe, just maybe, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. Matthew 11. And the violent have to take it by force. They have to take it. I thank God for your calm demeanor. But sometimes you've got to get riled up a little bit and just take things by force. If my child is running in the street and a car is coming, you're not going to see me just, hey, baby, come back. You know I'm going to be running full speed, especially if they ain't listening. Oh, I'm going to take you by force, boy. Huh? Some things I just cannot act passive about. Some things I have to possess by force if it's already mine why do i have to possess it understand what this really means god has already given you permission it is on you to go and take possession 
This is what James ultimately tells me in James 1. Blessed is the man or the woman who perseveres under trial. Because when you have stood the test, when you have withstood the temptation, you will receive the crown of life. Someone say today, I've got permission. I'm about to go and take possession. I'm going to receive everything God has promised to those who love him. With our hands raised wherever we are today. If you want to stand to your feet with me, if you don't want to throw your hands up. I realize I, I, I can't force you into anything you don't want. But you have to forcefully advance. You have to forcefully take possession yourself. And for some of us, the only thing that we're doing right now is just persevering. Good. Then keep it up. Keep it up. Keep persevering. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep putting on the full armor of God so you can stand against all of Satan's schemes and tricks because he's doing everything he can to destroy your faith. He's doing everything he can to destroy your anointing. He's doing everything he can to pull you back to your old lifestyle, your old way of thinking. But today, we're letting the devil know God has already given me a promise. He's already given me permission. And what is mine is mine because God said so. I'm going to forcefully take possession. What he declares is mine. If he said healing is mine, then I receive it in Jesus' name. If he said breakthrough is mine, then I receive it in Jesus' name. If he said I could lay hands on the sick and see them recover, then I receive it. I take possession in Jesus' name. If he said that financial blessing was going to be mine, I just have to be obedient to his word, then I'm going to take hold of this promise and possess it. Whew. I wish sometimes it was just as simple as just, it's mine. No, you have to possess it. Go and get it. Be obedient to what God has told you to do. Some of you, God has told you, get that thing out of your life. You can't possess what I have for you as long as you're holding on to what isn't for you. Get it out of your life. Some of you, my God, you still, you've got this religious mindset and God is saying, I've got so much more I'm going to reveal to you, but I cannot reveal my truth to you. My spirit can't speak to you because your heart is hard and your mind is permanently set. God is saying today, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you believe that God has promises for you? How do, I, I believe that the scripture says it like this, exceedingly great and precious promises. And there's no greater promise than his presence. No greater promise. And as I was with Moses, I will be with you.